0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Signpost In Podcast. I'm Brandon Booth, and today, as usual, I'm joined by my friends Matt and Peter, and we're going to wrap up today our series on the Lord's Prayer. So, uh, hi, Matt. Hi, Peter. Good to have you guys on the back porch. Good to see you guys. Uh, So, guys, in our previous two episodes, we covered the first half of the prayer, uh, which is sometimes known as the thou petitions, the, the petitions that are addressed to God. And today, we're going to turn our attention to the second half of the prayer, the hour petitions, where we uh, pray for something for ourselves. Um, so, but but before we jump into it, I, I want to try that thing again, which is sort of updates from the back porch. So anything that you guys have um, interesting, something that you're interested in going on in the world that you're paying attention to?
1: All right. Um, recently, I had sort of the realization that I haven't listened to music in like, forever you know i i'm a very streaky music listener um but i certainly used to listen to it more when i was in the car a lot driving to and fro places but um so i I had that realization and so i have been uh while i work here in the office sometimes i've just been putting on my headphones and listening to some of the music that i've enjoyed and um I kind of enjoy slash hate how how powerful music is to one's mood. It makes me feel like I'm being kind of controlled, right? But like when I listen to music, like I'm like, I feel like if it's energetic, I feel like, oh yeah, okay. I'm like, I know this is somewhat artificial, but it's working. <laughs> so it's it's a puzzling sort of reality. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, man, it's been several months since I've really listened to any music and that made me sad. <laughs> And so well, I've been enjoying listening to some music, and it's been kind of fun. Peter, what are you listening to? what's What's top of your playlist? Um, the two bands that have been on my shuffle have been House of Heroes, and then um, Wolfpack. So, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 nope. fun. They're uh, House of Heroes is uh, kind of an alternative rock band um and then Wolfpack is like funky groove music that's got a lot of bass lines that I love so nice is it v as in vol wolf wolf, wolf.
0: yeah okay. V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K. wolfpack i'm sorry if you had just told me that band name is it, to me it sounds like a german heavy metal band i that's it, like I,
1: I think it might be a I'm, german thing i'm hearing a lot of harsh <laughs> <laughs> yeah which which suits you,
0: Peter? I have to admit that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I I did listen to uh, Ramstein or Ramstein um, a <laughs> yeah. little bit, and their song "Du Hast." So you know, yeah, but... <laughs> oh, okay, excellent, excellent. I know that one. So, okay, I I'll go next. Here's my thing. Um, I, I'm
0: bringing to listeners. Uh, I'm bringing you two tools that you can use. Uh, so my techie nerdy side is first of all. Arc browser. A R C is the, is the arc arc browser right now. It's only available on Mac. It's coming out for windows soon. Um, I've been loving it. It's an awesome browser. That's totally like rearranging how like the tabs work. They're all in a sidebar and it's got a bunch of really cool features and I've been using it now for like three months. I love it. Um, it's super cool. So Anyway, if you're the kind of person that wants to try a new browser, ARC browser is the way to go. It's fantastic. And Matt hates this for some reason. Don't don't move my cheese,
2: man. Leave my stuff alone. It's working. So, well,
0: I love trying new tools. And this one has been fantastic. It, It really has. I don't know. It's really like it takes a little bit. It's like learning a new language. It takes a little bit to like rewire your brain to look for things in a different place. But I have found it to be incredibly... Powerfully, it's far more organized and i have my stuff like you can create workspaces and all kinds of things um which my wife is with you matt she hates that that's like way over complicated for me it's like beautiful i love it and then the second tool is claude ai it's c-l-a-u-d-e claude claude ai and it's kind of like um chat gbt it's the same idea right it's a large language model um, But the free version is far more versatile and useful. So you can actually like upload a bunch of text to it, like your own stuff. And then it will use that as part of what, when you ask it questions and stuff, man, I've been having so much fun with it. Um, It works. It's great. Like I've uploaded like a ton of our blog articles and been like, okay, give me other ideas. And uh, it's super fun. And I I did this one thing when I, so I gave it a bunch of blog article titles and I was like, come up with new article titles. And then I said, be as creative and as wacky as you want to be, which turned out to be a really genius thing to give it. So it like gave me all these great titles. Some of them are really dumb and some of them are really horrible. But it was really like as a creative beginning point, we were like, that is a terrible idea, except for part of it. It's really cool. So Mm -hmm. anyway, if you're into AI kind of stuff, Claude AI, the basic free version is actually really good. Matt, what are you into? Well, I, I think I mentioned last time
2: that I was uh, I was or, I was digging into a couple of books. I've got a couple of things that I'm researching, and I and I finally got it in this uh, book, Freedom of Mind, which is a uh, a book about um, escaping cults, and um, yeah, really really interesting stuff. Uh, there, you know, it's it's actually kind of changed my thinking on a number of things, specifically in the idea that. Well, not all cults are religious. Not all and and they can be just as dangerous as religious cults whenever they're wrapped around any kind of um, you know, very strong personality or any very strong belief or idea. Uh I'm having a lot of fun. It it's it might be a little twisted that I'm enjoying it so much, but it's enjoyable and I'm really uh really enjoying the stuff that I'm learning out of. It's great.
0: Was this from, so you sent me a podcast a while ago about this. Was this, is this connected to that? Is it like the same? I mean, I send you
2: a lot of things. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, because
0: that's a def, definitely a book I'd read.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's really good. He himself, the author, uh, went on to become a, a, a psychologist uh, and he himself in college got sucked into a cult. He was a Mooney. For those people who were oh, wow. around in the 70s, they they remember the Moonies. Um, I don't really know much about it, but he got pulled in. Um, he was in a vulnerable place and he was all in, just all in. And he just talked, the, the, the idea behind the book is that there are these kinds of cults that take over the person's personality and use different means of control and just how that robs a person of their freedom and their free will. Mm-hmm. And for people who actually love, have loved ones that are in these types of cults and organizations, it can be really hard to see them, see you losing that person. You know, it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of a a common thing of, uh, parents saying of their kid when they've joined a cultist, it's like, I don't recognize my kid anymore. Well, that's because yeah. they're, they're being, uh, there's there's all these different tactics the cults use to to control a person. And a person mm-hmm. adapts because they're 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 sucked in for various reasons. Anyway, maybe we'll do a podcast on it at some point to talk about it because uh it's really fascinating. And and actually one of the things that I was kind of stunned by is how some of these things um may be uh done by well meaning Orthodox churches. And communities. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of sad, but I like I say, sometimes I think well-meaning churches or well-meaning church members might think, well, we, this is how we keep people from falling away. This is how we keep people from getting seduced by the enemy without recognizing that actually, um, you're doing things that rob them of their freedom and their freedom of choice. And that's kind of essential for a genuine relationship with Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, there's a lot to talk about there. And, and I'm still chewing on it and rolling it in my mind and thinking about it. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that again later, I'm sure. But that's what I've got going on.
0: That's super fascinating. What's the name of the book again?
2: Uh, freedom of Mind, Helping Loved Ones Leave Controlling People, Cults, and Beliefs. By Stephen Hassan. Nice.
0: Cool. Yeah, that sounds like something we should definitely talk about. All right. Well, uh, we can't talk about it now, otherwise we're going to have a three-hour-long podcast. So we're we're gonna we're gonna finish the Lord's Prayer today. That's what we're actually gonna do. <laughs> um, and listeners, just so you know, we have we did the first two parts of this. We recorded the first two parts of this uh, prior to Christmas, actually, and now we are. Well, after Christmas recording this, and so we've had we've had a bit of time since the last time we we talked about this, so hopefully we will actually make sense and can be connected to the previous two conversations. um but I think we can uh, one last thing just before we get started listeners, I've said this the last couple times. We would love and and really enjoy hearing from you. Uh, I received an email from. Uh, one of our re- recent episodes on the Lord's Prayer, which was really nice to hear. Thank you, Spencer. It was great to hear from you. Glad you enjoyed the show. Uh, please drop us a line. Uh, shoot us an email. Let us know where you're listening from, why you're listening, what you've liked. Uh, we, just, we just really want to continue to grow the community around the podcast. We keep dabbling with this idea. I've mentioned it a few times of starting some kind of community, maybe a Facebook group, maybe a Discord server. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if that's something that interests you, would you please let me know? Shoot Again, podcast at signpostin.org. Shoot me an email. Say, yeah, that might be something I'd like to do. And again, I think people listening to the show are cool people and you might have a lot to talk about with each other. So anyway, let me know what you think. Okay. For today, here's, here's what we've got to cover. We've got to cover uh, the last, let's see, one, two three petitions of the lord's prayer and those are the as i said the our petitions the ones that are that use the word are right so our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us and then it changes give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so these last three petitions most commentators have Have remarked that there's a transition. Suddenly, now we say, "Okay, now give us something." We have been saying to God, um, we've been petitioning, asking for God to make, to bring His kingdom, to continue His rule, for His name to be honored in us and in the world, and now we we say, "Okay, um, give us our day, this day, our daily bread," and. What I want to say across all three of these petitions, these our petitions, is I think they're actually the hardest ones to talk about. I think all three of them involve deep, deep paradoxes and mystery. In fact, this first one, people have noticed and have sometimes claimed is like a contradiction in scripture. It's not actually, spoiler alert, but people have noticed this And said, there's a contradiction here. And the contradiction is Jesus says, okay, pray like this and say to the father, give us this day our daily bread. But just a few verses later is the famous section in Matthew where he talks about not being anxious. And he says, you know, this is Matthew 6, 25, um, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? So it's the the possible contradiction is, wait a minute. Jesus first tells us to pray for our daily bread, to pray for our daily needs. And then just a few verses later, he says, don't worry about that. God's got that. Don't even think about what you are going to eat or what you're going to wear. So the question is sort of like, well, which is it? Do I pray for my daily needs or do I not pray for my daily needs? And personally, and I think I stand in, I'm just sort of regurgitating what I've learned from the the commentators. um the resolution of the conflict is that in praying for our daily bread, what we are doing is what Jesus says we should do, which is not worrying. So the, the prayer, the, the ask, God, provide us our daily bread, is both a request that the Lord will actually do that, but it's also an action of turning over the worry. What we're saying is, all right, Lord, this isn't up to me. I'm I'm not the one in control of the world, so I'm giving to you the responsibility and asking you to f- to take care of my daily needs because I'm not strong enough. I'm not. I I can't. Um. So the resolution. I mean, I, it seems to me kind of like an easy resolution. You know. I mean, I think the contradiction is a, is made up quite a bit, but but still, it's helpful to notice that because it invites you deeper into what the petition is. Um, it's not just a request. In requesting it from God is the action of, I actually trust you for all these things.
1: Does that make sense? It it sort of reminds me of a bit of our conversation last time. If I'm remembering clearly, um, Matt, you were kind of bringing up that it was like, it was sort of news, like these are all petitions. Aren't some of these just declarations? Um, And there's sort of that two-sided nature to some of the um, petitions in this prayer that they are at the same time asking for something and at the same time declaring something about God. And it sounds like what you're saying here, Brandon, is that, you know, this, this first petition, give us this day, our daily bread is at once, you know, a petition asking God for something, but it's also sort of a surrender, a, I'm not asking for something. I'm trusting that you're going to give it to, give me what I need today um is that a fair summation of the the apparent tension yeah.
0: yeah it it actually reminds me of two like other passages in scripture which is um is it peter that right that we uh uh oh in everything we uh with thanksgiving make our petitions That's requests philippians 4 yeah yeah okay yeah yeah so in every so in philippians in everything we make Uh, our request known to God with Thanksgiving. I'm butchering that, but that's the gist of the verse. And and then the other one is James, where James talks about requesting in faith and not being double-minded. And I think the idea is the... Oh, I'll speak for myself. I think my habit is in my fear to sort of pray like the Gentiles do as Jesus warned me not to, which is sort of babbling to God, just sort of saying, help me with this, give me strength for this, do this for me. And sort of futilely throwing those prayers out as if more or less, because I'm just, I'm just anxious and I'm just sort of talking where I think the deeper invitation is to use the, use the, action of asking for, from God for protection or for, in this case, my daily needs. The, the act of asking is the act of depending, of letting go my anxiety because I trust my good Father. And at least just personally, there is a distinct difference in my prayers when I attend to it that way. I think the one that's coming, the example that's most specifically coming to my mind is the example of, um, going into like a scary situation, not really thinking, I say, you know, Lord, give me strength to do this. And that's a perfectly acceptable prayer. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. I'm not saying that's bad, but, but then there's a difference when I notice when I'll pause and I actually turn to God and I. With gratitude, like the like Philippians says, ask for like the good outcome that I'm looking for, or ask for the thing that I'm actually afraid of to be handled, rather than give me strength. It's like Lord, make this, you know, your make this situation be peaceful according to your will. Like that actually is the strength that I'm looking for, if that makes sense, because. Cause I'm attending to the goodness that God has in that situation and being open to it. Uh, does that make sense? That distinction? Yeah. I'm tracking with you. And and I don't want to give the impression that like it, you're bad or wrong for saying, Lord, give me strength or courage or like just talking to God, babbling in that kind of childish way. I think that's totally fine. I just noticed that for me, that became the habit, and it was much more of a magical kind of thinking than it was a actual prayer where I was depending on my Savior. So, one connection that is made about this particular petition is that in this one, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are actually doing the faith thing that Jesus encourages us to do, which is to become like little children. Right? It's, this is the act of faith, like a child, this, or in the Psalms, it talks about, um, attending to God, like a handmaiden watches her, her maid and servant watches his master. The idea there being, we are not able to provide anything really for ourselves. We are utterly dependent on the master as, as the handmaiden is on her mistress or the slave on his master. So we watch him and wait expectantly for him to give us today's food today's, you know, or like my little kids, you know, Leif, my youngest literally can't buy his own food and can't, doesn't have the ability to pay for the water or the heat or anything else. So he just expects it from me. And I think that's the, here we are, little children saying, Jesus, God, can we, will you take care of me, please? There are some other interesting connections. One of, the, one of the most interesting things, and this is from, again, you can hear more about this in my interview with Father Gavin on a previous episode, but the, the question of what the bread here means, like, what are we actually praying for? And throughout history, there've been a lot of connections. Um, obviously the connection to the literal bread, like we've been talking about today, like our, that God cares about our daily needs, our food, our, our clothing, gas in the car. The connection is to the manna that God provided for the Israelites, the bread that God provided every day for them that they couldn't collect more of because if they did, it went bad. And there's a literal example of somebody having to depend on God for their daily sustenance. And if they didn't trust God, it actually went badly for them. Um, And then there's a connection to the spiritual bread. So we're also praying for the grace that God has given for this day. And I think that's we often use the manna in the in the Old Testament in this more spiritual sense. We, you know, God gives us the grace that we need that is sufficient for this day. And, uh, you know, obviously connected to the Lord's Supper, that the connection that we are asking for God's forgiveness that we need for this day. And then finally, a lot of a lot of almost all the commentators connect this to even the larger thing, which is. We are asking for Christ himself, and this is a sort of salvation in the broadest sense, the connecting back to the presence of God, the the, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Um, Christ himself is the bread of life. So when we ask for God to give us our daily bread, we're like little children. We're basically saying, stay with us, Jesus. (laughs) Don't leave me. Be with me your you know and and that's a really so there's like these multiple levels right it's like yep it means he cares about your actual literal physical daily needs pray for them and depend on him for those he cares about your spiritual need your need for forgiveness your need for strength and grace and he cares about and means to never leave you or forsake you and so you get to pray for that too and all these are all things you can meditate on while you pray it and just deeper and deeper levels. Some quick biblical cross-references if you're interested, if you want to go look these up. Um we've already kind of mentioned a few, but some others, Matthew 18, 1 through 5, Philippians 4, 6, I think was what we were talking about earlier, uh, Exodus 16, 1 through 5, John 6, the entire chapter, and Psalm 73,
1: all would be great ways to dive deeper into what we're praying for here. So this is, I'm experiencing a little bit of an obstacle for me as I'm I'm um, listening and processing this right now, Brandon, because I'm understanding, as we're unpacking this petition, sort of a trusting mindset that this invites and encourages and calls us to to trust that God, like our heavenly father is just going to provide for us that we can come to him with assumptions, say, you're going to take care of me. Okay. And, um, I guess I'm just thinking about the times I've been, or, or maybe somebody listening who's in a situation where they aren't feeling provided for and they're hearing, "Well, just get into that mindset where you're grateful and expectant of God. And it's like, well, that's the problem. I don't feel like he's actually providing, um, I don't know what the question is, but does that tension make sense? And like, how might this petition uh, reach someone when we're when we're in those situations where it's like, God, I don't feel like you're providing for me. I don't feel like your presence is near. I don't feel like you're giving me what I need. And now I'm being told that I have to get into that mindset of gratitude and expectant trust. And I and like I almost feel like I'm out. Like I guess I don't qualify for this part. Like, I I can't attune to this or meditate or contemplate appropriately. Um, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but if it does, would you offer some thoughts about that? Yeah,
0: I mean, it makes sense. I I think it makes sense to me. I think it makes sense. So let me, uh, I'll, I'll offer what I'm thinking, and then if it doesn't connect, you can tell me. But I think what I'm understanding is it's like, there's a subtleness subtlety to hearing everything we just said as if it's a again back to a transactional kind of thing like we we talked about this at the very beginning that we have to continually be on guard for this where when god when christ encourages us to pray in faith or when philippians says in everything give thanks we hear that kind of law language as the prerequisite for God to act. We have to do this and pray in this attitude before God will then respond with providing for our daily bread. And I think that's the natural bent for all of us in the fallen state to think of. We, we just go there. And then it matches with reality in some sense because we're like, well, God provides God helps some people, but He's not always helping me. Some people have what they mm-hmm. need every day, and then other of us go hungry, and we're not clearly not given our daily quote unquote food. Or even literally. I mean, they're homeless. And and I could yeah. be one of those. So the natural conclusion is why? Well, because they didn't do something right. Right? They didn't have enough faith. They didn't pray with enough thanksgiving. And so we immediately are just kind of, I think without even thinking, we slide into the, the reason some of us don't have what we feel like we need every day is because we didn't please God and pray the right way or didn't act the right way or whatever else.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think though, given a deeper reading all of the passages that we've referenced are going to get tell the opposite story like the thankfulness that is encouraged the dependence that is commanded all follow on gifts given not our prerequisite for gifts given so You know, I think again, the Israelites are a great example. Like, they continually reject God. They continually ask, they continually get worried and get angry. And the story is always like, but remember what God has already done for you. So it's not like God is angry at them and therefore doesn't give them things because they haven't done something for him first. The only time he actually gets angry at them is when. He's already rescued them. He's already brought them through the Red Sea. He's already provided their food every day. And they're still saying, well, we can't trust you, God. And he's like, you know, he's like, come on. <laughs> so I, so in the law side, I think that is worth noticing. The other thing I would say is Jesus actually faced this. Mm. When he was, and we're going to get here, we're going to bring this story back up in the next petition. He's baptized, he's ca- the the voice from heaven says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And boy, wouldn't we all like to have a literal voice from heaven ch- saying to us, you are mine, you're loved, and boy, wouldn't that be, like, wouldn't that just fix all our problems? except that for Jesus the very next thing that happens is the Holy Spirit leads him out into the desert to be tempted that's the verse that's like oh, oh great and he's hungry after 40 days and the and the and Satan comes and says you're not really the son of God are you prove it and so there I, I think here's Jesus in the exact situation God hasn't God has left me alone for 40 days. I'm starving and hungry. and now I'm being tempted and there's no voice anymore. So what does he turn to? Well that's where he turns to scripture. And in every temptation he says, you know take the one specifically about bread, you know he's hungry in this and Satan says, well, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus responds, man does not live on bread alone, but only on the word of God. Well, that I think that is the thing we're being asked to do in that place of great need, poverty. Why isn't God providing for my daily bread? I mean, he said, don't be anxious, but I don't have what I feel like I need. And I think, Peter, yes, you and I, are probably going to break in that situation, and we are going to get angry at God. We aren't going to trust him the way we want to. We are going to be faithless. We're going to worry. We might even turn away from him for a time because it's just like, Lord, you're, it's not fair. What's up with you? And in those moments, the hope is Jesus didn't. Mm-hmm. Jesus actually faced the same thing, and he didn't break and he didn't turn away, and he didn't blame God, he actually was able to say, nope. If God wants me to be hungry for the next another 40 days, then I'll trust him anyway. with Without a voice from heaven, I will trust the word. And that's the Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So what do we do now? We say, you know, and I'm bring. I'll bring it home. You said, well, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not this counts me out. And my answer to you is, yeah, it counts us all out. None of us can pray this prayer perfectly. None of us are going to, in moments of great distress, survive it. We're going to break. And it's in those moments that we turn to Jesus and say, but God, Jesus didn't break. Jesus did make it through this with perfect faith and confidence. So look to him, not to me. I didn't do it right. I whiffed it. I was hungry and I got angry just like the Israelites. But Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't with it, and it's him that you said is gonna. You're judging me based on his behavior, not mine. So, yeah, mm. that was Thank a really long answer. Sorry.
1: Appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, that's helpful. I, um, especially the comments on uh, the qualification <laughs> and we we pr- jesus invites us to pray this prayer because he he fulfills all these petitions and can rightly pray them and we just trust yeah. that that's enough yeah
0: and remember how the prayer starts right the prayer starts with our father so i mean there's a again we can go back to that but that the deep deep mystery that when jesus says pray like this he invites us to pray as As adopted children, like we pray to our, to God, our father, as if he's our dear father and we are his dear children, not because we somehow earned it, but because Jesus told us to. And so I can stand confidently in front of the king and say, I've whiffed all this stuff, but I'm still praying for it. And if anybody says, well, how can you do that? How can you stand in front of the king and do that? You've whiffed it all. All I do is like I turn to Jesus and I'm like, well, because he told me to and he hasn't and he's he's the son of God. I'm just doing what I was told. And I know how God is going to respond to Jesus. I know how the king is going to respond to Jesus. And Jesus said he'll respond the same way to you. Well, okay.
2: Well, and I think that we we talked about this in the first episode that we we started talking about this the uh, this this concept that i've i'm starting to see it more and more places in scripture that god is trying to get us to just grasp the idea that our identity is a child of god you know and it's and the the lord's prayer starts out that way and the lord's prayer also has this reliance on god as if we're his children um and so I think that's one of the things that there's a barrier for me. I think there's a barrier for a lot of people to think of themselves in that way. But just like you were saying uh, there, Brandon, that this there's this tendency to think of ourselves. And it's not a wrong metaphor in certain contexts, but we think of ourselves as this beggar coming before a king. And yet one of the things that... When we get there, we're trying Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, is trying to convince us you get you need to remember what your identity is. You need to get your identity right, right, And that changes everything.
0: yeah, yeah and and we're always dealing with these mysteries, these paradoxes, which is and in, when I was so when I was in seminary, right, theology theology was described as the art of distinctions. And so, like you said, Matt, the metaphor of approaching God like a beggar we're actually going to talk about that in just a second like that is an appropriate, correct way of thinking about my relationship with God in certain circumstances or in certain angles or ways, but it's not the only or even the most correct metaphor, because there's this other metaphor of child of God that has to has to temper and inform. <laughs> And I think because we are complicated beings, and because our relationship to God is complicated by sin and everything else, we need different metaphors at different times. Um, last little thing I'll share on this chi- child of God metaphor, which I, which this one really broke it open for me, it made sense out of me to me. We can we have confidence to approach the Father. In his glory, right? Hebrews talks about this. Um, On what basis can we be confident? I love this image of a little kid, like the favorite of the father, goes out, meets another person, little kid, becomes friends, and he brings him back home. And he's like, I want you to meet my dad. And his dad happens to be the king. (laughs) You know? And so the son, the favored son, walks in, bringing his little friend with him to meet his papa. And his papa is the king. And you walk into the court, and the little son, who's the favored, he doesn't bow. He, doesn't, he just runs up to the, you know, hey, I want you to meet. Mm-hmm. And the king says, any friend of my son is a friend of mine. And just is like, hey, you know, come sit on my lap. You're, mm-hmm. you're welcome here. Because they're little kids, and his favorite son has this buddy that he wants to introduce papa to. Well that's kind of like how I like I am invited to approach God as if Jesus the favored son has has introduced me to God that way. Which is a really kind of neat image. Like I just get to run in and be like, "Yeah, he likes me." <laughs> All right, well let's press on. So the next petition is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us or forgive us our debts. Um, and this one, this one's pretty thorny. <laughs> this one's tough. Um, we were even talking about this before we started recording. Cause it is a tough one.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I want to jump in here. Cause, cause, uh, I've actually been thinking about this this week as we were, as I knew we were coming up on this episode. And I'm like, this gets to that that passage in the Lord's Prayer of forgive us our debts. And uh, for those of our listeners who maybe didn't listen to it, uh, a few episodes back, we interviewed Julianne Cusick and had a a really great discussion on uh, forgiveness and and what that looks like for a, a follower of Christ. And uh during that interview she she quoted uh this passage out of Luke Luke 17 that says and it's it's on forgiveness and it's on reconciliation it says if your brother or sister sins against you rebu- rebuke them and if they repent forgive them and the way she, in in her thinking on that she said that the the if statement in there was like well there's an implication that if they don't repent you don't have to forgive and that really challenged me and so i kind of went back to the scripture and started thinking about that, and then not so coincidentally, I encountered uh, another uh, podcast where people were talking about this and, t- and asking the question of, well, is your forgiveness of others creating, is, it content- is our forgiveness contingent on that, right? Because in, in in the Matthew passage, right after it, when it goes to verse 14 and 15, it says, for if you forgive men their trespasses your father your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive then your father will not forgive your transgressions so it leads to a thorny issue and it i think there's a diversity of opinions on this in some ways because one of the one of the things that actually challenged me pretty strongly on this is this concept of well is this setting up a work or a duty that you must mm. successfully perform in order to achieve a, to, to earn your salvation, and well, we know that's obviously not true. Yet here's the passage, right. and and what? How do we how do we parse this out? How do we figure this out? Um, and I'd I'd like to get your take on that, Brandon.
0: Yeah, I, that's the as I said at the beginning. Like that's the. Each one of these petitions has like a paradox or even possibly a contradiction within them. And a lot of, uh, and all the commentators recognize that throughout scripture, (laughs) like they know that these things are tough. And I think you're right. There is a diversity of opinion throughout church history on exactly how to interpret this particular petition. Uh, I would say the majority of the commentators that I know of, and again, I'm no expert, everybody, like this is the back porch. Um, I know we have some listeners who are far smarter than I am (laughs) and have studied this stuff a lot more, so feel free to fire an email at me um, and tell me where I'm wrong. But the majority of the commentators reject the interpretation that this is somehow doing a deal with God, that you're saying, Lord, only forgive me if I forgive others, Um and the reason that they reject it is because Jesus never it's it's the principle of scripture interprets scripture. Jesus never makes his forgiveness or justification contingent on you doing something first anywhere else in scripture. Um so most i would say commentators are going to interpret this the other way around. In other words, what you're saying is something like well it's it's the parable of the unforgiving servant um which is in Matthew 18 um it's first John and it's also in James right it's in a lot of places but it's the idea that we forgive others because we have been forgiven much which is which is exactly the opposite of saying God forgives us much because we forgive others So the principle that we're praying here is Um, you know, we're asking for forgiveness. We're saying, Lord, forgive us our sins, which, amen. We come to God. This is where the the metaphor of beggars really is important. Every morning I come to God as a beggar, I, I have nothing to offer him. If I were to, you know, honestly evaluate my behavior and thoughts the day before, I don't deserve any of the gifts, I certainly don't deserve to be able to trot into the kingdom and be like, "Hey, I'm the favored child of God." <laughs> um, that's a pure gift, and so we are asking for that yet again. We are saying, "Lord, give me your gifts again of forgiveness. I need them." And then the "as I forgive others" is a, I think, an invitation to then act out that forgiveness that we've received um, first. So again, okay, so the parable of the unforgiving servant is really helpful. It's the servant owes the master an infinite sum, a sum that he could never repay. And the master, And he goes to the master and says, I can't pay it. And the master says, okay, I'll forgive your debt. You don't have to pay it. He immediately turns around, the servant immediately turns around, meets a guy on the steps on the way out, that owes him like five bucks and he mm-hmm. says pay back everything you owe me or or else and the guy says i can't and he has him thrown into debtor prison uh, debtor's prison master finds out about it and says you wicked servant you didn't forgive after you had been forgiven so he gets thrown into debtor's prison until he's repaid everything which is going to be impossible for him I think that order of events makes sense out of this prayer. You have been forgiven much. I, have, I can approach God like a little child. There's a, real, there's a real invitation to self-examination here. How are you treating others now? If you find yourself really unforgiving and you're like, now nah, everybody owes me, then I think go read 1 John and you're going to be scared. pantsless. Uh, I can't say the other word because it's, we're trying to maintain our ratings, right? You're going to be scared, which is if if you don't forgive others, then you haven't really understood what's been done for you. Well, and, and I
2: can't help but think that there, in a certain sense, just like you talked about with the, pre- the petition for daily bread, is, is an act of faith in that I'm, 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 I am casting my anxiety on God. I am relying on him to provide this need. And in a certain sense we we're, we're going to do that too with the 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 faith it takes to forgive um those who have sinned against us. And I think that's one of the things that Julianne really nailed in our, in our interview with her is that this it is a journey. Um there is a process and and it it requires faith. It requires faith to yeah. be able to uh forgive serious sins that we've suffered at the hands of others. Um, And yet just the same way as God has this miraculous ability to provide us with our needs in every way, this too is a thing that he can provide for
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that brings up the question that you brought up earlier too of, do we have to forgive people who haven't repented or asked for it? And I think I, I don't know. We didn't really investigate with Julianne how deeper into that issue with her about how she thinks about that. And so, and I caught onto the same thing you caught onto. I feel, I feel like I half agree with her and half don't. And what I mean by that is like within the, uh, you know, in in Lutheran theology, we talk about the left-hand kingdom and the right-hand kingdom um, or or the horizontal relation uh, horizontal relationship and the vertical relationship. Um, and so you can answer the questions in two from two different perspectives. So, before other human beings, with other human beings on this natural level of law, the courts, etc, no, I don't have to forgive you if you don't ask for forgiveness, right? So if you have a debt, like, I mean, kind of think of it just like really, really literally. The bank does not have to forgive your loan. You know, if you are a Christian and you run a bank and you have given somebody a home loan and they're like, I can't pay it back, it is not incumbent upon you to forgive that loan and not make them pay you back. It couldn't operate that way. If you have, I think Julianne's point to be more serious. If you have been hurt, wounded, abused very badly, and the person that does that, did that to you, doesn't repent, you don't have to have any relationship with them. You don't have to have any connection with them, and you don't have to um, treat them as if they never did it. In fact, that would be stupid. Yeah. 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 but before god i think in our relationship with god when we think about it in terms of the vertical like i think there is a requirement a requ- maybe a better way to say it is a a natural request a natural requirement because i have been forgiven every sin that will naturally re- like overflow in me towards forgiveness of other people even the worst of sins again in this world with there's parameters. That doesn't mean I'm going to let them have access to me again. Absolutely not. But working towards that release of anger and that release of holding them and, and hatred in my heart. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the direction God is always moving us.
2: Peter, did you have something to add on this uh,
1: section? Um, what really stuck out to me in in hearing you guys unpack this petition was when it was said that um if, if we're not forgiving others, it's the root of that is probably because we don't understand forgiveness and what we've been forgiven. Um, to me, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like what you're saying here, Brandon, there is a natural segue between understanding our insurmountable debts and the ways in which we've offended God. And the fact that He's forgiven us and welcomes us as a son is just mind blowing. And if that reality percolates into our being, if we can like understand that, then like, I think it's just that natural, like, oh my goodness, I have had so much forgiven me and not only forgiven me, but he's got us going, gone over and beyond to welcome me as a son. Like, Somebody has offended me? Like, who am I to hold that against them? Like, I think that's very natural. Um, And so sort of working from that backwards perspective to like sort of describe and prescribe my own unforgiveness, it's like, man, I think maybe instead of in those moments where somebody is, well, when I'm in a place where I'm I'm in unforgiveness towards somebody, I probably need the law, you know, to be fearful of my unforgiveness. But I also probably need the gospel to be reminded of that rich well of forgiveness that God has poured out for me. And that's what's going to then usher in that natural response, not being reprimanded and said, you're bad and can't believe you wouldn't do that. But to be pointed back to the reality of God's abundant forgiveness, that's that's the thing that sort of calls forth that that response of forgiveness towards others. Yeah. So that that's the dynamic that I was sort of hearing and, and was helping me think through this tension. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I have the kind of parable or image. It's not a parable of Jesus, but it's parable-esque image in my head of... So here's a picture of the reality. I was a I. I was a enemy combatant fighting for the other side, trying to kill God's son, the king's son. The battle, you know, battle comes in, the king over beats beats the enemies. I'm now a captive dragged before the king. What do I expect to happen? Well, what I expect to happen is I'm going to be summarily sentenced to death because I was an enemy enemy combatant trying to kill his son. That's what should happen. What does happen? The king says, I'm going to pardon all of the offenses that you've done. You don't have to pay any debts. You're not going to go to prison. You're not going to be killed. I'm forgiving every evil thing you've done against me and my son. And I'm going to, and we're like, okay, that's incredible. Why would you do that? Well, because I love you and I'm good. All right. And he goes, and not only that, I'm actually going to adopt you as if you are my son and all the wealth that I have in my castle is now yours. Right. That's the actual picture of what's happened. There's two responses. <laughs> Rebellion. Give give the king the finger and say, no, I'm going to stay an enemy combatant and I'm going to still try to keep killing your son, even in light of what you've offered. Or I'm going to receive it and I'm going to give in and I'm going to surrender, which is kind of funny. Like, Surrendering is not a dangerous thing at that point. What I'm surrendering to is being forgiven all of my evil and given the whole kingdom. (laughs) Now, I've chosen to surrender. One of my buddies who also chose to surrender or anybody else, you know, owes me a cigarette from when I was fighting in the trenches. Am I now going to be like, I have all I have access to the entire treasury of the kingdom. Am I going to be like, give me that cigarette, you jerk. Well, I don't need it. I have the entire kingdom. Yep. and I think that's if I can have. And, and I'm not saying that's easy, but if that's the image I'm starting to understand, and when I'm praying this, then it sort of unlocks
1: what I'm, what forgiving others is like. This feels like a good segue into the the next petition. It's sort of like these the all these images are are calling forth like what is a christian life like to walk in forgiveness and forgiving others but yet the reality is we know that we screw it up all the time right and because we remain sinful beings that are are growing in trust and faith in god but we do that imperfectly all the time and it seems like the next petitions you know lead lead me not into temptation is sort of aimed I can hear that cry coming from the, you know, my own heart of just like, I know I screw up all the time, but like, lead, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's right. It does flow naturally. And that reminds me that, um, you know, the, the, the comfort of the prayer is that when you don't know what else to pray, this prayer prays for everything, you know, that's the beauty of this prayer. So you don't have to like worry that you're leaving something out. And I think that's what's kind of evident here. Um, This one too, though, of course, sort of immediately confronts us with what seems like a contradiction. um, Because God has clearly led people into trials and temptations. Um, he, He, you know, easy examples he asked Abraham to sacrifice his own son as a trial, as a test. Um, we already referenced it. He immediately, it literally says, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted. So, like, there, there seems to be an immediate contradiction to pray that we not be led into temptation or trials when God clearly does do this at times. And... Yes, the scriptures say God tempts no one, so there's a like okay, what the heck is going on here? Um and I don't know that I can answer that question super deeply. Like I'm not sure that I can tell you here's how to resolve all those all those pa- scriptural tensions. Um but I do find I find in this Jesus told me to pray this kind of an echo of something else he said in John 16 he tells us in this world we'll suffer and fear not i have conquered the world so again i don't know how to resolve all the tem- the the like what is god doing here why would god allow temptation. What does it even mean that God might lead some people into temptation at times like he did with Jesus? But what I know is that Jesus has told me, don't be afraid. Whatever I face, whatever temptation I face, whatever trial I face, whatever suffering I face, he has already conquered it in some sense. So I suppose in a way that resolves for me at least any possible contradiction. There is nothing that there is no trial or temptation that I will find myself quote unquote led into that is a real trial or temptation in the ultimate sense. Because God himself has promised me that all of these things work to the good toward my good, and that he has already conquered them which i think is sort of the source of when you hear sometimes people say any temptation we face there's always a way out of but also that they're 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 they're, they're somehow good for us they're they're purifying us they're they're making us stronger they're not actually possi- it's not leading us away from god they're somehow in god's power leading us to him this is a deep deep paradox within the Christian faith, but this is actually what I think we I, I I firmly believe we believe this. I will reference um there's a fantastic little book by Luther called uh it's got two it goes by two different titles in different translations um on being a Christian, no, um on 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 the freedom of a Christian. And I can't remember the other way it's said, but anyway, on the freedom of a Christian it's a short little pamphlet, great little read. It's not particularly on this topic. It's more about understanding faith and justification. But in that pamphlet, towards the end, he he talks about how because we are the sons and daughters of God, because we are, one of the metaphors is married to God, right? We are now the bride. The church is the bride of, of Christ. Everything that Christ has is ours. So we are We are now the queen over the kingdom. And he draws from that the the conclusion that everything serves us. All temptations, all sufferings, all sin, all everything, nothing can harm us now. It all serves to build us, build our faith. It all serves to make us more like Jesus. And I think there's a deep truth in that. Um we can pause there if you want to but i think that's just sort of introductory comments to this petition well you, you
2: really drew a whole lot more out of that than than i've ever really seen in it because i guess the church i grew up in and the the um the faith journey i've had i've always in my mind sort of seen that as a a prayer against um evil is there has there ever been a translation and i wish i would have thought of this beforehand and kind of done some parallel researches but it seems like at one point i remember it being a prayer of deliver us from the evil one that's not yeah. in the translation i have right here um but it it is i've always taken it as an understanding that we are opposed there is a a, a enemy that we have that's actually actively trying to harm us and that this part this prayer this part of this prayer is is our desire to it, it acknowledges that and asks God for provision and protection from our enemy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No that that is a uh I don't know how common it is but it's I know within the Catholic tradition that's more common. Uh, it used to be more common even. I think that used to be the standard way they even prayed it until relatively recently, like Vatican II, kind of changed how they pray the Lord's Mm -hmm. prayer a little bit, some of the words, but so yes, uh, evil one is a, has been a widely used way of talking about this. And a lot of the commentators, early church fathers kind of, it's both like, yes. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. That's like the moving past, like the, the paradoxical contradiction in this, that that seems to be apparent in this prayer or this petition I think Matt you're on to the the deeper part that that everybody goes to uh, most of most of the commentators are dwelling on what you're talking about it's requesting from god the protection from evil and the evil one this would include praying for peace for our country praying for peace you know like protect us from any evil that might threaten us, physical, human, otherwise, and then also protect us from the devil, who is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Don't let him have power over me and, and tempt or harm me. Um, I think at the same time, it's important to say just like every other petition, in praying that, the invitation is to trust that God is doing it. That he's doing it before I even ask for it. My asking for it is a, it's like a little child going to, to again, to use that image, it's like a little child going to their their mommy, mom or dad and saying, do you love me? well, you don't really need to ask. I do already. But there's also sometimes something really sweet about asking. I mean, there's a kind of expression of, I know you love me in asking, do you love me? Because I can ask that. Yep. So I think the here too, right? We we are saying, Lord, protect us. One other way that this was, I don't remember this was, I think, I don't remember if this was Father Gavin who said this or who it is that I, that pointed this out to me, but in all of these petitions, these, our petitions, there's this element of which it's, um, it's like saying we have, we have just prayed. Remember thy will be done which can be a really, truly terrifying thing to say because, I mean, sometimes God's will is that we're thrown into lion's dens. Sometimes God's will is that we go into captivity to Babylon. Sometimes God's will is that Jesus get crucified, right? So like Jesus is saying, thy will be done. And what he's saying is, yep, I'm going to suffer and die. Hmm. So now we have this grace. So we just prayed that. And there were Christians who were martyrs, right? Thy will be done meant I get torn apart alive in front of a crowd by lions i don't want that i want to have the courage to go through with it if that's what god asks of me but in this prayer the very next thing we get to say basically is but please don't make me do that right like please don't make me be hungry don't make me have to be please don't make it so that I have to go without food and water. Please don't make it that I have to um, suffer and be martyred. Like, so it's a both here. Like it's an act of, yeah. All right, Lord, your will be done. I trust you. Also, can I not have to go through that? That'd be great. (laughs) And I think that's, that's super sweet. And that's the, concession not even concession it's the condescension in the theological sense the good kind it's the god it's god's compassion for our human frailty and frailty here not in a sinful way just that we are dependent limited beings by our creation and so he's like i know i may be asking you to do really hard things but i also know that's really hard and you get to ask for me not to do it so we probably need to wrap up here um Listeners, thank you for joining us on this journey. I think my prayer is that this has been graceful and freeing as an experience with prayer, as opposed to, well, let me say it this way. If you walk away from these three episodes and your, your feeling is I'm not praying right, then we have failed you. That is not what we want for you. Um, far too often, prayer is taught that way. At least it's implied. This is how you have to do it. So if that's you, if you're walking away from these episodes going, well, I'm not praying right, then please send me an email and tell me that So ha- and tell me what you heard that made you feel that way so that we can correct that. Because that is not what we're saying. What I want and pray that you will walk away from the episode's hearing is I am allowed to pray so much more deeply than I ever have before that I want to, that the Lord wants to hear from me, that the Lord likes me and that I am allowed to come before him with all of my questions and all of my fears and worries totally freely without any thought to how he's going to receive it because I know he's going to receive it well. That is my prayer for how you will hear all these things. And again, if that's not what you heard, yeah, send us an email and tell us what you heard differently so that I can not do that again in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, Peter, thanks for, uh, thanks for having this conversation. I've, I've really been wanting to do it for a while. Thank you. Yeah. You really, uh,
2: this, this, you guys have really helped me see a lot that, I hadn't seen before, which is always one of the things I love about getting together with you guys.
0: Yeah. It's fun. Uh, Listeners. uh, We again want to hear from you. Let us know what you're thinking, where you're from. And uh, if you have ideas for future episodes, we'd love to hear those too. What would you like to hear us uh, ramble on about? That'd be fun. But in the meantime, uh, may the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostend.org donate. That's signpostin.org slash donate. And thank you.